0: This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organization. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz Fear of spiders? Nah. Fear of the parts of ourselves that society shuns that we have built up shame for? Yeah, that's the stuff. But also the spiders. My name is Alex Willis Payne. I use they them pronouns and this is Stride with Pride. Hello and welcome back to "Stride with Pride. I hope you've all had a fantastic week, or you know, however long it's been since you listened to the last one. Today we are going to talk about internalized homophobia, transphobia, envyphobia, Internalized queer phobia. So I'll start by explaining a bit about what it is, if you don't know. So internalized blank phobia, it's sort of how a marginalized person, person with a marginalized identity, responds to the hatred and uh, shame that society puts on being that minority. And this is especially so within the queer community, because we are told that the stuff is bad and we shouldn't have it. And then when we realize we have it, we have... Sort of this internalized hatred for sort of being afraid of being at ourselves and having the shame in that. But then um, it can also be projected onto other people and that is when judgment and gatekeeping starts to happen. And we're going to talk about all that a little bit later on. So it comes from our society being super binary and cishet focused. Um comes from the cishet patriarchy um, and saying that, you know, cis, straight, Men, and then obviously white, able-bodied, all of that stuff. But in this case specifically, cis-het people are the default. It's what you should aspire to be. So then anyone who's outside of that is seen as deviating from the norm. And so there are certain societal punishments for that, whether people realize it or not. But that's the way our society is set up, unfortunately. And so a lot of people then internalize this um, as it's a narrative they've been told for their entire life. It's definitely something that I have had to experience and unlearn with misogyny. And so I'll talk a little bit more about that later on as well. But it comes with invalidating our own identity internally and then lashing out at others because of this internalized queerphobia. So as most of us have, I have had my own sort of personal experience with internalized queer phobia. So uh, I have sort of held different, many different identities in my uh, five years, I think. Um, My, yeah, my five or so years of my queer journey. And I grew up in a very accepting household. So it wasn't something that was shamed. But I know that in my society, wider society around me, it was definitely something that wasn't necessarily talked about, and if it was, it was sort of a negative thing. I sort of talked about that in my first episode. But I think a lot of the internalized stuff came from things that I saw in the media and on the internet, um, especially within discourses online, most often on Tumblr. The biggest part of this is probably I was um, what people call true scum, For a little bit. So, this is the belief that uh, trans people have to have physical body dysphoria to be considered trans. Um, And this really comes from the idea that uh, the idea of transmedicalism specifically, um, but also it's, you know, gatekeeping what trans is. And at the time, it, it sort of made sense to me, but that was before I understood about, you know, euphoria being a part of it. So gender euphoria as well as social dysphoria. And, you know, there being so many other different ways to be trans um, rather than what this narrative of suffering and oppression and having to be sad about being trans to be considered trans. So the it, it's, it's equating transness and suffering, which I... Do not subscribe to it at all now. And I think how media that we watch, um, especially things that center trans narratives, they tend to be focused around suffering, um, whether that is transphobia or dysphoria or not being accepted uh, when they come out or hating themselves. All of that suffering being centered in the only trans narratives we're really seeing represented in the media um, is... I definitely think a big contributor to this sort of idea. I also remember not that long ago, to be honest, not wanting to be non-binary, hating myself because I was non-binary, and (laughs) this definitely had to do with some personal issues that I had going on with other people at the time, but there was this annoyance, which I've I've talked about before, is I'm not going to be gendered correctly, and so I was like, I guess internally sort of trying to be cis in a way and i just wasn't accepting myself as is because i knew it would lead to what i viewed as just a future of suffering but <laughs> it's definitely not the case now and this is why pride is really important as well i will probably talk about this in another episode but you know once you've you've had all this shame for your identity put on you for from the society around you for a really long time so then being able to say that you're proud of your identity is revolutionary to be honest and I've also realised recently that um, once I realised that I did like a guy this was after I thought I was gay just gay um, so I only liked women I had some sort of internalised biphobia because I didn't want to be seen as someone who was gay as a phase and this wasn't specifically hatred of bi people it was just feeling like I couldn't be bi because I was gay before and I think it's quite interesting that a lot of this internalized queer phobia is centered around permission to be the thing we ask for permission to be the thing because we don't get this permission from society you know like why does society is like you shouldn't be the thing so then we ask I guess our communities as well, but also ourselves for the permission to be the thing because we're not going to get it elsewhere. So then we have to work on ourselves to give that permission to ourselves to just be happy as we are, you know? So I want to talk a bit about gatekeeping here. So a YouTuber that I love, ContraPoints, I feel like I've talked about her before, but I honestly cannot remember at this point. ContraPoints, she did a... She's a YouTube video essayist. She's trans. And she talked a bit about the quote-unquote cringe to do with the ways that certain people are trans. And she discussed the people who hold this view against them and sort of the ways that society shuns trans people and the way that the community shuns itself and polices itself. It's a really interesting video. I highly recommend it. I actually based my Year 13 media film project on it. Um, And it's a whole nine-minute film, just about this whole concept. I mean, it's on YouTube if you you want to watch it. It's called Freak Show. (laughs) A lot of the people that these usually binary trans people are talking about when they are criticising parts of the community that they deem not trans enough These are generally young teenagers, so minors, who are just trying to express themselves in a way that they find fun and comfortable, and they're learning more about themselves and trying to figure themselves out. And I see a lot of criticism towards gabies as well, so baby gays, for being so loud and having rainbows everywhere and just being way too much in spaces. And I I see a lot of that, and it hurts my heart, to be honest, because if someone was like that to me when I was so young and impressionable and I was happy about finding out this part of my identity that was new to me and exciting and I had found community that accepted me for it, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest. It would be really harmful, I think, to finally have this community that accepts you for who you are, but then have people within that community shun you and say you don't belong there because you're too much. But I do also see it specifically within the trans community and with usually binary cis people critiquing young trans people for not being trans enough and for making a mockery of the community because they, the cis people, won't accept us if they don't accept you like if if we're lumped in with you weird person then they won't accept us we just want to be accepted but you're ruining it for us and that whole mindset is definitely a result of trauma and of shame and internalized transphobia but it needs to be confronted this is a dangerous part of our community And it really, really affects young people if they have this criticism of such young, impressionable people who are just trying to be themselves. You especially see this online with cringe compilations and... You know, the cis people do this enough. The gross fedora tipper guys do this enough. We get criticized enough. Do we really need to be criticizing ourselves for having fun? Like, yes, there are definitely parts of our community that we need to look at and analyze to make sure we're doing the best we can for ourselves and for others. But do we really need to put ourselves down when we're already being put down by the rest of the world and by laws? discriminatory laws can you tell i get heated about this and the whole distancing yourself from those trans people rings so many bells towards the not like other girls trend i guess it's a trend the whole not like other girls thing and you know we look down on that now but it's something that we all had to deal with you know i just want to clarify here that i do mean afab people it's something that pretty much every AFAB person has had to deal with. But also, transfeminine people have to deal with once they come into their femininity and dealing with what makes someone a woman or feminine. Having to unlearn all of society's preconceived notions about what makes someone a woman. Mm, Lovely stuff. We distance ourselves from what we viewed as the popular people because we didn't want to be seen as frivolous or, you know, useless at things, not smart, all those things that the patriarchy thinks about women. And so the not-like-other-girls mindset perpetuates this patriarchy because it reinforces all of these ideas about women. And so the not-like-those-trans people falls into the hands of the oppressors, the people who are trying to keep trans people down, the cishet patriarchy. And this also applies for sexuality. I'm specifically talking about trans self-hatred because it's what I know more about, but this, this applies for everyone in the queer community. Like, yes, it is a coping mechanism to not get hate Um, The assimilationist mindset, um, sort of, you know, for binary trans people um, wanting to blend in, wanting to pass exactly as their gender. And that's completely valid, however it's not something you should force onto other people, you know? Passing may be the ultimate goal for you, and love that for you, but some people can never pass, and some people don't want to pass, and for non-binary people there's not really a way to pass that's acceptable to cis-society. I do want to note here, however, that AFAB non-binary people who present more masculine are a lot more accepted than any other form of non-binary and how non-binary people present in the world. It's so much more accepted by wider society because it's like, oh, haha, spicy woman just wearing man clothes. That's normal. But then it's also the societal hatred of women that makes... AMAB people wearing feminine clothes or AFAB people wearing feminine clothes looked down upon, it's not something that counts and you're not valid if you do that and I hate all of that stuff but it is the case so some forms of non-binary are unfortunately more acceptable in quotes than others to cis society but it is what it is for now we just keep pushing for representation and all that Remember, you're entirely valid however you dress. You're still non-binary if you're non-binary. If you identify as non-binary, you're non-binary no matter how you dress. But even for the acceptable-looking, afab, masculinely-dressed non-binary people, it's still viewed as spicy woman rather than, you know, non-binary. So there's still not the way to pass in that way. I mean, you can obviously, if you're non-binary, you can, like, look at someone and be like, you're not cis, but like, it's an entirely different form of things. To be viewed, to, to pass as non-binary, it doesn't really exist. And you know, passing is a whole nother bag of worms to do with a bunch of assimilationist ideas. And it's just, it's a whole thing. So it's sort of a choice between not being who you truly are or enjoying yourself. Wearing whatever you want, acting however you want. It's something that takes a lot of time and healing to get rid of. It's easier said than done to get rid of internalized homophobia or internalized queerphobia, internalized transphobia, envyphobia, biphobia, panphobia. But it is something that must be done if LGBTQ plus rights are to be moved forwards within the mainstream and within laws. It's something we need to work together to get rid of in our community because it's really harmful. And this is not meant to shame anyone who has this. It is not your fault for having this internalized hatred of something that you are, but it's something we all need to work together to remove. And so I'm going to give you a few tips now. And some of you have submitted your own as well. The first and probably most effective way to rid yourself of this internalized queer phobia is to meet queer people and expose yourself to the wonderful complexities of queerness. This way you don't rely on stereotypes to inform your views on them. You get to know them as people first, rather than what they present as or what they do. You know them as people first. Secondly, and in a way that honestly more appeals to our community because we seem to be run by spite in certain ways, spite the cishet patriarchy by loving yourself. Uh, like, okay, that, that's, that's it's way easier said than done. But, you know, trans acceptance of yourself is a radical notion because we are told that we shouldn't be happy because of ourselves, but learning to come to terms with that and say, "Hmm, how about shut up?" to the thoughts can be really effective. Honestly, treating it's similar to dealing with depressive or anxious thoughts, viewing the intrusive thoughts as a an, an edgy kid who is saying dumb, stupid stuff and just saying, "Go away." Like, "Shut up." No no one, mm-mm, "Be quiet." Or if you like, viewing it as a mansplainer, someone who is just really getting on your nerves, and then it is a lot easier to tell that voice to be quiet, just to spite it. Because the cis patriarchy wouldn't like it, you know? Do it to spite them. Because the cis patriarchy likes to say that being queer or trans is wrong and freakish, and that being cis and het and male is normal. But, you know, being queer, being trans is just all part of human variation and it's normal within species. So, you know, it's dumb that people think that. So you can tell the voice that is dumb. Again, a lot easier said than done. Here are some of your guys' tips. Elliot says that reading, watching, and listening to media with representation to see the positives of being within the community, at least you come to terms with it. And hearing other people's experiences uh, validates your own. Being able to be within a community of queer people, of accepting queer people, puts you in the mindset of acceptance. And then you can start to apply that to your own life. And Elliot also says that joining a community full of diverse experiences helps you accept yourself and others. When you see lots of different perspectives... This also applies for getting rid of any internalized biases. Meeting people and interacting with the people that you have these biases towards or against really helps you see them as people who are just trying to get by, just like you, you know? Someone else says, be patient with yourself. It takes a lot of time to push back against all the shame that you've been taught to feel, and it does. You have to give yourself time to work on it. It's something that takes active practice and active challenging of the thoughts in your head. Whenever you have a negative thought about a member in a community or about yourself to do with this kind of stuff, you need to take a moment to challenge that thought. Figure out where that thought comes from, the sort of origins of it, why you might be thinking that, and then challenge it. Say why. My mum, a psychologist, always says, interrogate your thoughts. Going along with what I've just said, Sean says that it's not going to be overcome all at once. It takes a lot of time and practice to get over. He also says to refrain from sharing opinions, so your opinions about certain elements of the community while you're still dealing with this, and to just think about it and take the time to... Think about that thought and what potential effects it can have on someone if you were to share it. He also says that you have to understand the reason that you discriminate and the true reasons behind it to counteract it. So a lot of the time these reasons are obviously trauma and shame. But you have to dig deep into yourself and figure out where these notions are and whether the thoughts you're having are constructive or if they do come from a place of this internalized queer phobia. Ryan says that you know who you are. Other people don't need to accept it. It just is. And that's another really important thing. A lot of this internalized stuff comes from the want to be accepted by wider society. And that's a Basic human urge. We all want to be accepted by the people around us, the people we love. But sometimes that leads to harmful places, especially to do with, you know, what we're talking about today. (laughs) You don't need to be accepted by those around you. You are valid and valuable just by being. You don't have to do anything to be worthy of being loved. You are intrinsically worthy of being loved by virtue of existing. And Olivia says, move to Wellington to escape the judgment of the people who make you feel like it's wrong to be queer. You know, sometimes you just need to move cities, move to Wellington. It's really gay there, I've heard. Not necessarily a very accessible option, but you know, it does exist if all else fails. (laughs) But... It does also speak to the way that your environment impacts the way that you see others and yourself. If you feel judged by the people around you, maybe it's time to make some changes to your friend group or make some changes in the ways that you interact with people. If the people are your family, maybe try spend less time around them. I know that's not necessarily what some people want to hear, but if people are making you feel upset about who you are, stay away from them. Try and surround yourself with community that is loving and accepting of you for you. A lot easier said than done. I've said that so many times this episode already, but find your community, whether that's in person, at a group at your school, or wherever you're doing things, or whether it's online. Find yourself a place where you can feel safe and comfortable to be yourself. And within this sort of warm blanket nest of comfort, you can start to really think deeply about yourself and it's it's a lot easier to start to accept yourself from that and following on accept others. If it's more the self-acceptance that you need to work on, try viewing yourself and treating yourself as if you were your best friend. You wouldn't want to hurt your best friend at all. (laughs) You want to protect your best friend. You want to do right by them. And you, you wouldn't just insult them. Well, you might insult them playfully, but you know what I mean. You wouldn't just insult them for who they are. You wouldn't dismiss any concerns that they have. You would take the time to go through with them and love them because they're someone that you love. And who they are doesn't change The fact that they are the person that you're best friends with. Treat yourself that way. You deserve it. You deserve to be loved and cherished and accepted for who you are because you are so valuable just by virtue of existing. You are worthy of being loved. For this week's Creator Spotlight, ContraPoints. So I talked about her a little bit earlier, but she is an amazing YouTube video essayist. She makes videos sort of in the same vein as Philosophy Tube, who I talked about last week. They are incredibly well-researched, incredibly well-presented as well. She definitely has that flair for eccentricity and for performance. And I do want to specifically highlight the video that I was talking about a bit earlier, which is the cringe one. Very, very impactful upon me. Lots of good commentary. And I also really enjoy her opulence video. It's a very, very detailed dissection of what richness means in our world and about capitalism and gothic horror. A bunch of good things. Her videos are all quite long. Recently, they have been sort of feature film length, which is really impressive, especially on YouTube. But they are so impeccable and so, so worth the wait. Check her out on YouTube. ContraPoints. C-O-N-T-R-A. Points. points, All one word. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stride with Pride. I hope you enjoyed it. A little bit of a more somber tone today, but, you know, it's something that we do have to address within our community and something we have to think about. And it's something we've probably all had to deal with at some point in our lives before we can get to the happy queer point. (laughs) There's a lot of bad things that happen in our community but learning to accept yourself is really important and it leads to a happy fulfilling life. (laughs) You are beautiful both inside and out and don't forget it. Gun emoji. I hope you have a fantastic day, afternoon or evening whenever you're listening to this and don't forget to spread your joy. Bye!